hours a day, seven days a week. Spice FM, 98.8 FM.
Don't you love a little bit of Gimme Shelter by the legendary Rolling Stones that actually fades out. What, do you remember when music used to fade out? <laughs> <laughs> Instead of just going na 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 na. Yeah, yeah, like, um, or just endlessly going on and on and on and on and on. Um, I like I like when uh, stuff fades out like that. And that's obviously a classic song, Martin Scorsese's favourite favorite song, uh, which was in The Departed. Um, that's, that, that always reminds me you know like when that's uh, why he made the Rolling Stones documentary didn't he uh, yes yeah. because he's a huge Rolling Stones fan yeah he used them a lot in his films mm-hmm. and whenever I think of that because obviously with Gimme Shelter um, you know it's a classic legendary song I think one of Rolling Stones best songs mm-hmm. and I'm not a huge fan of Rolling Stones actually but I think that's absolutely a genius song mm-hmm. um, and yeah like um, I, I, it makes me actually years later I actually think of the film now because of the iconic yeah. opening of The Departed which is a fantastic film but anyway uh, before we get into a little bit of conversation between me and Ricky I'd like to introduce you to Mentally Sound if this is your first time listening thank you so much for joining us we're going to be here from 12 till 2pm talking all things mental health um, fortunately I am here because if you've been listening to the show regularly um, my uh, partner is currently pregnant so and I got an interesting phone call before the show started which made me panic turns out it was completely nonsense and I didn't need to worry about anything um, but yeah so um, so that was a bit of a panic so if I feel a little bit like on edge and a bit like talking a little bit There's too still fast still a couple of hours to go listeners yes yeah, yeah, so, um, so my phone goes off it's uh, not uh, unprofessionalism it's that I'm expecting a call to maybe say my partner's going in labour but the due date's not till the 17th of November so um, uh, hopefully um, today as well as over the weekend will be um will be um, just a nice a nice peaceful relaxing time um, uh, one can dream uh, <laughs> but anyway yeah so as we said this is mentally sound this is a mental health show so the disclaimer I would like to do at the minute that really tickles Ricky um, and uh, yeah so we always want to do a disclaimer at the beginning of the show because we've done this for a while now is to say we, we discuss all things mental health on this show uh, we've been on Spice FM for quite a while now and we're on another radio station before that and the idea is to talk openly honestly and frankly about mental health and have guests on um, it's a very guest um, orientated show uh, so we have a jam packed show so before I, me and Ricky have a little bit of a catch up uh, and talk about what's on today's show. I'm going to I'm going to mention t- uh, the guests that are on at the minute in time. So on my list today, uh, we have Jill Watkins and James Ward from Changing Lives, which is a national charity, well local as well, but providing uh, specialist support support for vulnerable people and their families. Um, going to talk about their Christmas plans and whatnot. Um, and then we got Kim Tate, who's an artistic director at Interacting, um, which um, I really like. The, I really like the sound of that because is it is it meant to be like a pun on interacting? I think it is. As yeah. an interaction. But yeah, the, yeah it's, uh, um, the prote- the correct, it's got a hyphen in the middle, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. why. I'm glad you put the hyphen <laughs> in, because otherwise I would have just said it as it is. Um, and he and a participating colleague will be discussing new mental health play, Overcoming Overthought, due to be shown in December. Uh, is that which the, we were invited to. Yes, probably, yeah. yes, because uh, I had a, a good fortune to see Ricky, which I'm sure Ricky will want to talk about. Um, we had a, a sort of a businessy meeting for yeah. the show yesterday. We'll um, talk about that, yeah. yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he mentioned that we're going to go to that uh, play, which is excellent. And and Peter Maguire, um, who is a mindfulness practitioner at Mindful Maguire. So a very, I feel like we're, we're doing sort of mindfulness monthly uh, in this, uh, in, mm. in, in Mentally Sound. At least that's last few shows, mindfulness mm. has played an important part. Yeah. Um, and another uh, little extra special treat is I have been working at the university 
um, over the last week or so, and I got an opportunity to do a speech about being a carer versus being a, a care, being cared for, as in my experience being a service user dealing with my bipolar disorder, um, as well as being a carer for 15 plus years um, for my mom who has Parkinson's disease. So this was recorded live at uh, on the 5th of November. Um, so only a few days ago, um, talk I mean, in front of about 70, 80 students in a theatre, um, basically talking about what I think is important in relation to social work because it was on the social work course. So you will get to hear the unedited recording of that said speech because we thought it was a good thing to do in relation to showing that mentally sound goes all across different boundaries. Um, and um, yeah, so interesting times. But as we do in this introduction, I'd like to just ask Ricky, how are things, my good sir? I'm all right today, mate. Yeah. Yeah, how are you? Uh, I'm alright. Have you been getting any strange phone calls? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah. Death Have you been? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get to us, yeah. Have you been misquoted PPI? <laughs> I get that quite often. Uh, well, there you go. So, yeah, how often, often from yeah. like numbers I don't recognise, and I always have to Google the numbers. So like, oh, is it somebody important? I know the problem is now. Um, speaking of being a carer, you know, yeah, I get panicky when I don't recognise the number. Who mm. could that be? And like, you know. But yeah, speaking of being a carer, which is an interesting segue. Um, is that I can't, I used to avoid my phone in terms of actually re, um, answering people's phone calls um, because I, I I don't like talking to strangers on phones and usually if it's a private number it's someone I yeah. don't want to talk to. Yeah. Um, but the no, problem no. I've got now with being a carer over the last few years is that every carer organisation uses private numbers um, right. for confidentiality reasons. Yeah. So like this morning I got a private number and usually I just take that to mean it's something related to me, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because they had to ring... Very This tells you an example of how trivial sometimes being a carer is, mm-hmm. is that um, a person from Crossgates, where my mom is, rang, um, rang me up to say that the milkman was wondering when he was going to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just went, I'm the first I've heard of this, I know my mom's got a milkman, but I'm like, I don't know about how he's going to get paid or whatever, this is the first I've heard. Um, you know, because I started to think, am I going to have to like get up at seven in the morning when he's dropping of stuff off? Um, yeah, because they obviously have my Second information. Thing, yeah, 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 so it was the it was one of their enablement team had rang me, um, and then I just rang my I left a message to my sister because my sister kind of kindly is sorting out the financial side of things, and I just said, do you know anything about the milkman owed money? And she went, yes, he was supposed to ring me. He was supposed to message me, so that's annoying. And so she rang him, and I gave her number, and he rang him, and he'd lost that number. Was that so? Again, you know, like so. Any Anytime my phone goes off, I have this sort of panic, like blind panic of going, yeah. is this going to be something I'm going to have to go and sort out? Because um, I've, I don't know if I told, I didn't, I don't think I had a chance to tell you this yesterday as well, which is going to be on the show, yeah. is that if, uh, on Wednesday, mm-hmm. my mum um, was, uh, I think, was it actually maybe yes? No, I don't think, no, it couldn't have been yesterday because I dealt with it on Wednesday, um, is um, I was in the process of doing stuff and... My yeah, that's right. Because Wednesday was going to be my only day off, day off today, um, like this week really, in terms of the what I'm what I've got planned. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> unfortunately, as is the case whenever you have a day off, is you get a phone call and you have to deal with something. And so my mom, my sister, sorry, sent me a message <coughs> about it sometime in the afternoon to say that my mom had been cold call like calling her it, it to while she was at work, mm-hmm. and my ma- my sister couldn't answer it, sorry, because she was in. Mm-hmm. business meetings for our museum that she works at mm-hmm. so she just went I'd, I've just rung her back and she's really confused and she's and I just went that sounds like another urine infection um, so I just really got a so I had a pretty much a bit of a meltdown in that in the news about that because again 
this is a hard part about being a carer, and you'll hear this in the you'll hear this in the, the speech that I do um, at the university. Is that the hard thing about a carer is you feel overwhelmingly responsible to mm-hmm. sort something out, mm-hmm. and that can be very overwhelming because in the to give an example about this week, I wanted to have Wednesday to be like a kind of switch off time mm-hmm. and not have to think about my mom for once and not have to think about the situation or think about the fact that I'm having a baby. Even though I do do that in a positive sense, I just mean switching off is entirely appropriate and healthy. I guess um, when you're ju- juggling them two yes. things in your head, you yeah, need, you need a bit of like switching. And then as soon as you're like kind of like you know you're in your chair, <laughs> I'm finally like sitting down to play a computer game or something like that, just to have a bit of an unwind because that's what I like to do yeah. is in my in my own private time. And then the phone goes, and then it's like oh you got to do this. But fortunately, the reason I'm saying all this is that I was really like oh I'm gonna have to go there and sort it out, aren't I? And then luckily I had to, I managed to. In a minor miracle, um, sorted all out over the phone. <laughs> so, um, so I was like, oh god, thank god. Um, because yeah, just just um, having a go to my mum's all the time is not only it's it's hard because of the distance now, but it's it, it can be expensive as well. You know, yeah. considering I'm I'm only on universal yeah. credit at the minute because I'm basically we want to just look after our baby mm-hmm. when the baby's here. Um, it can get quite expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so um, she got another urine infection. She's taking antibiotics, but unfo- but fortunately she's feeling a lot better, which is good. But it's just making sure that she stays on top of her hygiene. Um, just very quickly know. on that, um, yeah, um, the infections seem to be quite a, a regular issue with you, mum. Yes. Is 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 her condition means that the the infections become more? Yes. Right. Yeah, frequent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, like um, reoccurring. Uh Um, Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, that's a really, really big um, issue uh, with people. So is it always talking like a weakness in the immune system or something like that? Or is it just... (laughs) Yeah, essentially. um, Because obviously um, any infection is a bacteria in a particular area. And if you don't get rid of all of it, it just comes back. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the problem is, like I'm saying, my mom, because of feeling a bit, you know, mental health-wise, a bit not quite right... She's not looking after herself as much yeah, as she should, yeah, yeah. Um, and that again happens a lot with people with all people because, and particularly for my mum, it's a hard balance act because my mum, I would say, is partially disabled, and I say that with all the so respect in the world. Neglect, isn't it? Yes, thing, yeah, but yeah. neglecting yourself and yeah. all sorts exasperates the mm-hmm. symptoms, Definitely. and so she thinks she's in a worse position than she is um, because she's down on herself, um, not not confident. Um, so because she's not confident, she, you know, and because you know she has to sit down in the shower and stuff, and it is quite, you know, annoying and annoying for her to do that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it was. For you my just stopped. It, she stopped. You stopped yeah. doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's really, really hard to get the right balance because you want to acknowledge their disability. Um, and deal with it appropriately but you don't want to overreg it to the point of that they don't do anything and lose their independence which is kind of what's happening at the minute so to answer your question I, I, it's a combination of that with having nothing to focus the mind mm-hmm. so she just gets all wrapped up in her own situation and um, we've had many a conversation about helping with that actually a charity that we met at the World Health Day and um, they do they, they, yeah well I don't think it was them but there was yeah they were the lady who we spoke to was lovely in that sense, but I'm on about there was a charity there that I, f- I forget the name of, but they deal with social a- social isolation okay. um, and help in that regard. And um, we also are gonna t- we also in the process of talking with Age Age UK. Oh, is it not that one um, that, that takes them out like yes. on trips and things? Yeah, that's the very one. And hope yeah. I, I yeah. So I think I should talk to them about whether the sunsh- was it sunshine thing was it? Uh, maybe 
Maybe. I've got, got the speed. I've got the. Um, if I get a break, I might look for my bag because okay. my brush. Um, I've, I've still got some of the brushes in my bag. So, um, yeah. Anyway, so so that's an example of where an organisation can be unbelievably useful. Yeah. Um, because at the minute we're trying to get the attendance allowance to be higher because she does. We think she's in a different category now, which I think is obvious. Mm-hmm. And then with the extra money, we're talking about hiring um hiring a personal carer. Mm-hmm. And basically, just to go and see her for us uh, with what with that money, how much money would that get us time wise? And then even if it's just once yeah, a week, my, once my a grandfather week. has one. Yeah, um, I think in terms you have again. This is the phrase before I use weighing up the balances. Yeah, um, is it more cost effective to get like a care from? Like you say, from the place where she's at now, compared, you know. Well, well, she does, she does, <coughs> she does, and it's all through the council. But there's loads of like sort of um, financial issues with that. No, I don't because, blame you, know, you for, so. for even if you go down that route, because the 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 care the care care situation in this country is really plummeted. So I think a lot of families are sort of thinking that way. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, I know, what you're, saying, I know what you're saying. Awesome. So yeah, so um. Yeah, I think actually, considering I talked about the speech, do you think this is an appropriate time to play it? So I, I would say so because we've got to, yeah, because we're gonna, um, uh, we're gonna talk to our first guest about half twelve, right? Um, so yeah, because well, considering we've been talking about carers, I think this is a really appropriate time to play it. So should we um, quickly finish off what we yes. yesterday? Oh yeah, please do. Yeah, 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 yeah. For, a couple of, for a couple of minutes. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Quick shout out to Back to Balance. We yes. had a little meeting them up in the West Road and. Uh, uh, exciting times ahead because we, we're going to, you know, begin a collaboration with them. Sort of, um, you know, potentially something like along the lines of, well, for starters anyway, uh, Nikki, Claire, or the colleagues um, coming in and perhaps doing something like a phone in with people who want to come in with questions or tweeting questions, phone in, whatever. Uh, that's certainly the start, and certainly, um, yeah, we probably do a show down there, do a live recording, um, and they've become regular guests. So yeah, it'll be interesting times. But uh, yeah, it's quite nice to hear that like some people who use their services have heard of us. Which yeah, was, um, that was brilliant to hear. Quite the, nice the, to hear. Their clients had heard of us. Yeah. As they mentioned yeah, uh-huh. and they're going to take our leaflets down there as well. Um, yes, yeah, so very a very quick funny story after, mm-hmm. after that because I, so I had lunch with you, didn't I? Afterwards. Yep. Then I had to go to the bank, and uh, so I was I was going to deposit money into my account, and I filled in the form in, in a little table in the corner. And something I've told you before, because you know I, I can be a bit little, little foolish where I leave things, you know, I, I, you know, I lose things. Like I've lost phones in the past, and I always do this thing with my hips that every time I'm leaving somewhere, I do two taps on each hip. Right, got my phone, got my wallet, and that's my usual, you know, yep. sign. Mm-hmm. And I leave the bank. Right, phone, no wallet. Uh-oh. And I'm like, uh oh, what's going on? So I went back to the table, it wasn't there. I went back to the the cashier's uh, uh, desk thing that wasn't there. So I asked, and it turned no, no one's seen it, and I was, I was only in the corner there. So and and I pointed out, so could you please look in the cameras because if it's stolen, you know it's obviously a serious, serious, serious matter there. Um, so I, you know, I was immediately thinking who was with me in, in line, you know. Yeah. And uh, so they went back to check the cameras, and I, I was kind of half expecting to come back and say no, sorry, nothing. And and now and I was going through in my head over what I'm the things I'm going to do. Luckily, I had no cash in anyway. That was one saving grace. Yeah. Obviously, my bank cards and other stuff. And then the, the longer it went on, I thought, okay, it's kind of favouring my way because they could obviously see something, trying to sense what's going on. Yeah. So the best part of half an hour, they eventually got back and say, "What's your What's your surname, sir?" This is Mr. Famine. And she says, "Oh, we've just got this handed in." <laughs> so someone someone saw my wallet, thinking it was theirs. Ah. Uh, went went outside, went back in, realizing it wasn't theirs, and handed it in downstairs. 
So you can imagine the relief. Well, yeah, of course. You know, yeah, yeah, gosh. Yeah. So and wow. I, I was I was in that half an hour. I was like kicking myself, thinking, what am I going to do? And I was thinking about the show today that I was going to be on a bit of a downer and all these phone calls. You know, we were talking about phone calls before about cancelling cards and all. I've got to do all that rigmarole. But yeah, it was a weight off my shoulders. But yeah, bit of a roller coaster yesterday, but ended on a good. So if you yeah. want <laughs> <laughs> Wow, okay. Well, thank God that you got your wallet back. That's yeah. the main thing. Because I was thinking, wow, like, um, that, that's not... I like often feel my anxiety sometimes. I can't be careless because I've left things in places before. Oh, I've, I've, I've done that. Um, I'll give you a little quick 30-seconds thing of um, when I went back home from Wall's End for my mum because um, we don't have an Iceland near here. And there other <coughs> markets are available, but I'm just saying this is literally true. Um, so I'm, there was a particular thing I wanted from that from that um, supermarket. So um, I was in Wall's End and thought I'll go and get some stuff that I would like, like some because they do like pizza and stuff that I that they, you can't get anywhere else. So um, I bought them things on the metro, and then I was just kind of got distracted. Um, forgot because I had my bag with me as well, as and that was in a carrier bag, mm. and then just went on to the metro, mm. um, and then went one stop to walk a gate, and suddenly realised I didn't have the, me shopping with us, mm. and so I it was I, all in one big plastic bag. Yeah. So I I ran to the other platform. Before I'll give it, I'll try. <laughs> I really doubt it because. I, I don't know if this is a stereotype in being it like kind of unfair, but I thought it's Wall's End. It would have been gone within thirty seconds. Okay. <laughs> I don't think that, and I'm from Wall's End, so you know that's what your friends say. You, you know? know, you know what it's like. Yeah. So I just went, oh, it's not going to be gone long. Um, it's going to be gone. Someone would have just went, oh, that's mine, and then went and took it. So I, I, that's what I thought. But I'll give it a try. So I, I got on the next. What I will say is very quickly, everyone loves pizza. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it had salads in as well. <laughs> so we'll just chuck the salads away. Oh, and keep salads, the pizza. oh, yeah. That's good. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it had like a few things in. So, um, so I ran back, um, and as I was, and so I went to the platform. I saw it wasn't where it was because I could look across the platform and see it wasn't there. And then I went, so I went around the other side of the platform, and I just looked around and went, "Oh, it's not here." And then I saw a lady and a guy with with what looked like the similar bag next to the ticket machines, and I went. And I just like kind of like leaned leaned over to see what was in it, and I went, "That's my bag." And they went, "Oh yeah, we've just been." Ha-. I'm not afterwards, and I've discussed this with my partner, and I was like, "I'm not convinced they were telling the truth. They maybe were trying, they were gonna steal oh, it." Yeah. But the fact that I said that's mine, and I went, yeah. "Oh, it's got like a," and I said what was in it, and they went, "Oh yeah, yeah, we were gonna hand it, in. we were gonna hand it in," which seemed suspicious to me. But afterwards, I was all kind about it, and went, at least they were honest and gave me it yeah. back. Um, so I was not too bothered. So I got all my stuff back. But, um, about two weeks ago, oh. or something like that. just just after, probably just I think it was just after. It might have even been on the way home from here. You never know. So I, I, um, know, where, I know where to go for pizza now. So that's what to, that's what I'm yeah. from that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, cool. So, so yeah, as I said then. So what we're going to do is take a break now. We're going to play um, my uh, speech, which is last about ten twelve minutes, and then we're going to play. Um, actually, what we should do is um we'll talk for just can we just talk for another couple of minutes because then i want to play the adverts first okay. and then that way we don't we're, we're, you know we're not going to annoy uh, spice in that sense so um but yeah so um well i was gonna what i was gonna ask you just very briefly then mm-hmm. is because i asked you about um about how you were doing and i just i i you just seemed to be you were saying to me like off air so i don't want you to say what you say what you feel comfortable saying yeah but you just seem um 
you said you were feeling just a little bit better about yeah. yourself, and I just was curious as to why that is. Is that, have you changed anything different, uh, or or is it just being a bit more upbeat? Or I don't think I've changed anything specifically. I've just been in a better frame of mind, especially yeah. like getting up. I, I know I was a, you know, you, we're going to talk about running later on with one of our guests, but. <clears throat> that's been a, that's been a big part of our and we were talking about running yesterday with back to bounce weren't we we had a big long discussion about well-being mm-hmm. but no i mean i was i was really missing that because i've because i've had a bad back so i've been kind of like you know uh not not mobile as, I, as i'd like um so nothing's changed in that respect apart from not running but but it, but my anxiety was quite high even even during that period so yep. I'm, I'm not put i'm not linking the two but no, just just generally better, and just trying, to, just just getting on, and and like choosing not to um, give in, and and not giving up, and you know, um, seeing my cousins, my sorry, my nephews who keep me grounded. So I've just been plodding on, and my well-being's really improved. Mm-hmm. There's other things going on in my life which you know about, and and you know, there's things in your life that you told me about, you know, affairs. So well, we both. We both have an interesting juxtaposition of like private life matters <laughs> yeah. and things. And as usual, people want to, especially when I say gig apocalypse a lot more regularly, like, is there anything you don't talk about on the podcast? And I'm like, yeah, there actually is. Like, there, <laughs> yeah. They're all like, you know, you do see, um, um, yeah, and uh, I just think um, it, it is just about um, keep going, essentially. Yeah, and, and that's what I've been doing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm less anxious now, which I'm, I'm thankful for, and I'm just so getting on with things it was um actually i'll I, I, i'll say this now because i'll forget to say it after yeah. the speech has ended it's yeah. that um a student actually and i don't think i'm bringing confidence by saying this is mm-hmm. there's a student who said like i really enjoyed listening to you and i was like obviously that was very flattering and she said that her partner had bipolar disorder so i gave her a few pointers and it led to an interested I, I mentioned this to, to ricky yesterday and i found myself saying isn't it it's very interesting in the sense of that um you said um, something that I never considered in giving my advice to her because you said like everyone, no, it doesn't work for everybody and, and maybe you shouldn't mm-hmm. offer something that works for you but I think I phrased it in the appropriate way as I just said well what works for me and I, I did actually remember saying to her it might not work for your partner yeah. but all I'm telling you is that for me um, I use transcendental meditation and it really does I help I think the me. best thing to say um, is this, this is what works for me, I'm yeah. not saying it necessarily works for you or your partner but mm-hmm. you know and I did say to her, like, it. unless I, like, witnessed him or talked to him, yeah. it's very difficult to know what um, what his symptoms are. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't just um, make that determination just by... And I'm not trained in it. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I, I mean, even though I think lived experience is the best form of experience, I don't necessarily think you have to be act- academically trained. Mm-hmm. But look how many mistakes academics make in, in relation to diagnosing people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not an exact science, I don't mm-hmm. think. Um and if you live it, then you can <coughs> definitely see it a lot. Some, more more importantly, more importantly, though, mm. did you tell did you tell the crowd to tune in today? <laughs> <laughs> I did say that I was from Mentally Sound on Spice oh, FM, so okay. maybe. Cool. Um, so and I did say we were on iTunes That's at eight, some point. Plus. Yeah, yeah, eight <laughs> plus plus potentially. We've dub- we've quadrupled our audience. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, all right, cool. So what we're going to do now is play the ads for half past because we obviously there's a little bit of ads to play, and then I'm going to play my speech. Uh, straight after this so this speech is for me on the 5th of november on the social work course at university doing a speech about being a carer versus being cared for my life of dealing with bipolar disorder as a service user versus looking after my mom who has had 15 plus years of dealing with parkinson's disease and so we're going to play that right after these messages for the community by the community fm 98.8 fm 
Welcome to your community announcement answer machine. To broadcast your community announcement on Spice FM free of charge, call 0191273988. Select option 3 and record your message. No more messages. Kashmir Orphans Relief Trust, Aisha Ki Awaaz. आपको पता है मैं कोर्ट में रहती हूँ जो 2005 के जलसले के बाद ये टीम और बेसहारा बच्चों के लिए आप सब ने बनाया यहाँ मैं पढ़ती हूँ खेलती हूँ कोर्ट में मेरे घर के बाद अब बाइयों के लिए हॉस्टल बन रहा है रमजान मुबारक में अपनी जिकात सदकात और अतियात के लिए सिर्फ कोर्ट का नाम याद रखिए कोर्ट यू के ऑफिस जीरो same old radio sound <sighs> then you need vibrant radio spice up your life spice fm 98.8 fm right as i said hello my name's steven hesford like i mentioned one of the things i forgot to say at the beginning is what i'm here to talk about um and essentially it's very it's not too dissimilar from steve's uh, situation in regards to how i use was a service user with my bipolar disorder um, so I have a couple of examples of being in a psychiatric ward, which I, I think is kind of shocking considering if you look at me now that I don't, I don't think I come across as someone who, who would end up in a psychiatric ward, but it's basically describing the two examples 10 years apart. And in relation to that, um, I really wanted to talk about being a carer uh, and how social work is involved within that, uh, because I've been a primary carer for my mom for 15 years who has Parkinson's disease. Um, and I've she recently her circumstances changed where we she has a social worker and i think that i'm going to talk more and obviously hopefully you'll get questions in the second half and more about being a a carer and being the supportive aspect of looking at of helping someone in a difficult situation and because i think that's not talked about enough um, but I think to, for it to make sense, I want to talk about it in a chronological sense of just a bit like what Steve was talking about, about my experience uh, dealing with my bipolar disorder. So the quick the quick uh, beginnings of it was um, I was having a difficult time at school. Um, my parents were divorcing, which didn't help, and I was used as a negotiation tool when they were getting divorced. Um, they didn't separate for a good seven, eight years uh, during this time. Um, I became antisocial, which um, I'm sure Steve will laugh when I say that I'm I'm not antisocial in the slightest. <laughs> um, so yes, so um, so you know, because personality and mental health are not the same thing, but that's something we could discuss at another time. But um, so it was not in my character to be like that. Um, I alienated myself because I was very scared about how I was feeling. Um, I stopped communicating with my friends. Um, luckily, because it's not the same situation now, but again, that's another issue, is that I told my form tutor, um, which I think the argument now is that, that we kind of tar teachers with the same brush of if one teacher misbehaves that you can't have a good rapport with a, uh, with a student. I, I disagree with that. Um, but luckily, in my situation, being that I'm probably older than the majority here in, in terms of students, um, that I went and told my teacher, which was a huge decision in my life, very similar to like an, almost an epiphany to what Steve was talking about, is that I um, had a choice in my head between jumping off a bridge, which I actually considered, um, because this had been going on a long time, or go and tell somebody. Unfortunately, my my, I guess instinct or my desire to survive kicked in and I did 
ultimately the biggest decision I ever did and told my form tutor who maybe in this day and age would have got told off or, or reprimanded but she actually through permission with our head teacher um, took me to a GP for, emergent, for an emergency appointment and that started the process of me understanding mental health at the age of about 15. Um, what happened then was I got diagnosed with severe depression which if you read any case studies about bipolar disorder um, severe depression is, is often the first step. Um, I say that as you can have severe depression obviously but sometimes with bipolar disorder it's just a symptom and over the next couple of years for antidepressants it did help because it's a symptom of bipolar disorder but it's not the, the root obviously um, if you know anything about bipolar disorder you'll know what I mean. Um, so the reason I'm telling you this context is I then got to university um, to Northumbria as it happens and I during the summer uh, I started to feel bad during that period of time that year and then over the summer my friends who I developed a whole set of friendship circle who then all went away to different parts of the country and then I moved back into my mom who was only just being diagnosed with Parkinson's disease at the time and I completely hit a brick wall of, of feeling suicidal and um, very isolated um, and I had a I essentially tried to take my life um, through complete chance of which I hope makes people laugh when I say this the wonderfulness that is MSN Messenger I, if anyone understands that I hope you do otherwise I feel very old um, is that I logged in to MSN Messenger at the time just because it automatically logged in and a friend of mine from university just so happened to start a conversation with me and stop me doing it um, I can't tell you for certain whether I would have done it or not I, I don't really want to spend my time thinking about it um, but it was a, again a, a, a real fortunate situation because she managed to show I, I had a complete what I, what I later turned out to realise was a manic episode and um, I don't remember a great deal of it to be fair apparently I was talking in a Shakespearean accent and all sorts of weird stuff I turned my webcam on and she phoned the police because I was throwing a knife around I had a kitchen knife in my hand which I, I, I generally don't remember doing um, so anyway, so through the police who then handcuffed me in my own house with my mom in bed upstairs and um, took me to a psychiatric ward because of the situation. Um, that was a decision that was made in hospital because um, they checked me over and there was nothing physically wrong with me. Um, so unfortunately the nurse who was in the ambulance at the time took me to the psychiatric ward. And the reason this is all important in terms of context is again like Steve's story, um, there was a social worker waiting for me there. Um, I don't know whether or not they had one there or they phoned ahead or whatever it was. But with two doctors and a social worker there, I, for the first time in my life, told people exactly how I felt. Um, because the one thing that's terrible about, and social workers, I think, maybe need to be aware of this a bit more, that age plays a part in this. Um, uh, because I didn't know what I was going through. Um, and I didn't know what, I was experiencing and sometimes because of the scared factor and the fear you don't um, you don't explain things well and um, so I told them and my social work in that period of time was wonderful they uh, she through that process of me telling the truth with the doctor sent me to a mental health team in Forest Hall that sadly is no longer there and um, which you'll hear probably a lot in people's stories that the, the horribleness of the stuff that actually works doesn't uh, you know stops being stops happening um, and they for a process of time actually showed me that I had bipolar disorder and I was involved in the entire process and the key part about me talking about that is then I'm going to talk briefly about my mom in a second is that 
um, they involved me in the entire situation and and my um, my treatment essentially. So every time there was a meeting, I probably went there every other day. It was every day to begin with, and every other day, and then every what, twice a week, once a week. And the social worker there involved me in the entire process. I actually, because I was having trouble with my parents, like I explained, that still hadn't resolved during that time. I made the decision of that I didn't want my parents to know, um, and they, she was completely okay with that. Um, because so my my rights were respected, um, my privacy and 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 all that kind of thing. So um, she really did a wonderful job of starting the process of giving me the tools that ultimately I now use today, of knowing about my bipolar, knowing the symptoms, knowing how to deal with it, um, and that started that process of getting essentially the right help. Which if you look at social work in that category, you want it, you you hope it would be that social work points you in the right direction and helps you the way that you need to rather than what they throw at you. Um, the other time, about a few years ago when I was in the psychiatric ward, I was working as a support worker at YMCA. Um, I started to struggle. I then did the right thing, told who I needed to tell. Um, and then I got a social worker who, who systematically tried to I mean, I don't think she tried, like she's got any malicious intent, but single-handedly kept making decisions that ultimately hurt me um, because the process was so unbelievably different um, to the point of that I actually got compensation for it. Um, the, the, the short version of it is that during that period of time, I found myself really, really struggling. Um, I stopped working because I felt that was the right thing to do because I was involved with, I, some of my job at that time involved children. Um, I felt that I was a liability in that sense. I didn't want to, to be involved in that situation. Um, and then essentially, um, it led a series of missteps, which we can talk about, if any, I can talk about in greater detail uh, later, um, led to me being um, sectioned. Um, there was a, I remember a particular argument to, to relate what Steve said about sometimes what social workers say that I think is fundamentally wrong, is that they came to my house um, and decided as a team without me knowing that I was going to go and I didn't have a choice. Um, and then they argued when I got to the hospital that they told the people who were in my care that I voluntarily chose to go, which is ethically completely wrong. Um, and I knew that, but the, the argument is that you've got to be aware of what capacity a person is in when you treat them. And um, you can't, you know, that it is breaking the Mental Health Act of, the, the, you know, if they're incapable of making their own decisions, they need to be represented. I didn't know what I was signing. Um, and I obviously argued that once I got better. I was in Sight Rack Award for two months. Um, they then admitted to me about halfway through when I started to get better that they made a mistake. Um, and then it took me a good period of time to get well. Um, I had loads of psychological issues as well as physical limitations because their answer was to pump me, pump me with more drugs. Um, I, have too, I had too many drugs in that period of time to mention. Um, the reason that's relevant now in relation to why I wanted to compare it to my mum is that my family in that particular time really had a hard time with information. Um, a lot of decisions were made even without my family's knowledge and that creates friction in a family. And that's really, I think, important in terms of leading on to talking about my mom. Um, my mom had Parkinson's disease, which if anyone doesn't know about Parkinson's disease, other than the shakes and maybe like Muhammad Ali and, and, and whatnot, um, it's, it leads, it's a debilitating disease. It steadily gets worse as you get older. 
Um, and a situation changed recently where a social worker became involved because one of my mum's friends went to her house and realised she had tablets all over the, all over the house because she lives lives lived in our house at the time, and she told um, somebody I'm not quite sure who to this day, and then a social worker instantly became involved and took her medication away from her and said we're now responsible, or rather the family's now responsible. So I had a six month period of time based on that decision, which we couldn't overturn. Because we argued it was just, uh, uh, you know, my mum was having a hard time um, and we were going to support her. We had no choice in that matter. And from that point on, my mum, who takes eight tablets a day, was now our responsibility. So, unfortunately, because I live relatively close away, I had to go and give tablets to my mum eight times a day without living there, um, which, as you can as you can imagine, is, is an unbearably pressure-ridden. Um, but... The advantage of that was a social worker eventually got changed and in this situation now she's in assisted housing and the social worker she has now, although she has made some weird decisions, um, I think the key thing in all of this, and I know there might be some other questions embedded in what I've discussed with you today, is communication. Um, through being a carer, you get communication um, a lot less and also it's if the I find, because my mum was not that capable with what she had, that I'm her primary carer, so I feel responsible, yet if I'm not giving the information, how can I be responsible? It doesn't make sense in that sense, because you need to have all the information available to know what's happening, and also to argue for that person if you don't agree with it um, in the best sense. Um, so all I would say in summary is that the social work I have now in terms of being a carer um, does give me the information that I need now and I would say the argument for a best social worker is to realise and to treat cases in an individual basis and to realise the, the how would you feel in that scenario if that was your family um, you would want to know and you'd want to keep informed and you'd want to do um, you'd, you'd want to try and um, help them as best they can because it's in, it, the support network around people I'm sure Steve can agree with this Having a support network of people around you is half the battle. And if they can't help you the way that you need to, just like a social worker should, then you you, you can't get better or it's at least a lot more difficult. Um, so yeah, that pretty much sums it up. So thank you for listening. Sick of the same old radio sound. <sighs> then you need vibrant radio. Spice up your life. Spice FM, 98.8 FM.
A little bit of song two there by Blur, and welcome back to Mentally Sound right here on Spiced FM 98.8 FM. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show, and um, as you just heard, that was the speech that I did at Northumbria Uni on November 5th, and I forgot to say before I introduced that um, uh, pre-record, is that I was part of a panel, so you'll hear there was little bits of snippets of other people talking, and I forgot to to, to say that um, while I played it, is that the reason for that is because I wasn't the only one doing a speech on that day. I forgot asked, was there like a Q&A thing after that? There was after, yeah, so I I said that at the beginning, saying I'm Uh hoping for more questions, Uh because there was a whole, um, they did a a message board system where they put a question on the projector, so we could see it, and then we answered one at a time on the panel. It was a really cool experience, I really enjoyed Mm -hmm. doing it, and um, yeah, I was part of like a 16 panel, so I was second on 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 the list to to speak. So that's why you'll hear a, there was a person um, before. So just to provide the context. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, I'm going to be doing a lot more of that over the coming year. So um, if there's anything else I feel that's appropriate for this show, I will I will um, maybe crowbar it in if it if it makes sense. But I'm delighted to say our guest has arrived um, from Changing Lives, which we talked about at the beginning of the show, just to say who was on as a show, and it's a and sort of local but also national. Um, charity helping um supporting vulnerable people and their families you know specialist support i should say as well and james ward who is from that charity joins us now hello james hi hi um how are you are you okay yeah i'm fine thanks i think it's an appropriate first question for a mental health show (laughs) (laughs) to ask how are you doing i'm very well thank you (laughs) that's good to hear (laughs) actually i would be interested to find if there was a guest who just went actually i'm not and then it became a 10 minute like yeah you know my own personal yeah yeah yeah. i would like you to change my life yeah but anyway, so yeah, so so an int- um so I guess changing lives. We actually in the you know because uh, Ricky was telling you off air that I get I get a list of guests on because Ricky books the guests, and I thought changing lives was a very good name. I mean, it may, obviously it's a good name because it, it the connotations make sense. But for for a little bit more of a specific um, framework of of answer, could you tell us what that entails as in what changing lives does? And I just found on that because it was a re- you've had a re- it was a recent because of a rebrand, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fine. Yeah. So we started off about uh, forty seven. I say we. Uh, <laughs> The charity started as the Tyneside Cyrenians mm-hmm. uh, in Newcastle, and that was a, a collection of people coming together, worried about um, homeless and street homeless people within Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really been a, a, a major theme of our work kind of over the last 47 years, and we can still uh, continue. We're one of the providers of support um, accommodation across Newcastle. We still provide rough sleep for outreach. Um, but really, I suppose, as you say, um, our uh, focus, our you know, remit has really expen- expanded um, to include a whole range of people who 
you know, commonly mm-hmm. attract the, the label of multiple or complex needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so in addition to homelessness services, we also have um, drug and alcohol recovery services. Mm-hmm. Um, we work with women who are involved in sex work or victims of sexual exploitation. Um, we offer services to support people um, into employment um, or volunteering and progression towards mm-hmm. employment, mm-hmm. if that's what they choose to do. Um, uh, and I think, yeah, they're kind of the main... We, we have some interesting kind of smaller projects going on around victims of um, modern-day slavery mm-hmm. um, and, and elements mm-hmm. of work and, and really try and just be responsive to understanding mm-hmm. what the needs are of the people that are accessing. Yeah, because I imagine services. that's what's interesting about that is I imagine that that's ever-changing, like, you know, sort of like a title switch and the... Um, in relation to stuff that happens because we, we've talked about um for example um like slavery for example which you mm-hmm. just mentioned and and um and the sex trafficking um there was something i i w- i n- was going to mention on this show and forgot to was the re- relation to because i read it two weeks ago at the show we last did was about um craigslist um have stopped doing the you know like the random encounters or whatever they call it on on the site where you can basically just get you know casual sex basically mm-hmm. and they've removed it because people were using it like um organizations like underground ones were using it as a sex trafficking thing so people were turning up to stuff and and stuff for that was happening well on so that craigslist is like it's like the wild west i mean yeah with our trade union acorn which i mentioned to you before mm. um so so th- there was an issue th- it was a thing on bbc3 called sex for rent yeah and BBC Three came up. Well, they went to a few cities, but they came up here as well, mm. where kind of you know landlords were sort of advertising free rooms. For, well, not free, but rooms where you could uh, of a compromising nature. And you know, you know what I'm, I'm yeah, implying yeah. by that. So, yeah, yeah. if it's been outlawed, that'd be a good thing. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's uh, and that's it because often the, the trends and the way that people survive yeah. kind mm-hmm. of kind of change, and we've seen mm-hmm. that you know with the introduction mm-hmm. of universal credit. Mm-hmm. Actually, that often you know means people are having to go to other lengths yeah. in order to survive. And so, yeah, survival sex, you know, for accommodation, mm-hmm. for food, for mm-hmm. for safety, mm-hmm. um, is something that we've seen an increase. Yeah, you know, certainly mm-hmm. of in, in, you know recently. Mm-hmm. Essentially, so sort of a form of bribery in a way, or so, you yeah. know, it, you know, it, emotional bribery, I guess, or some sort yeah, of. Yeah, it's uh, when they recognise yeah. the person's vulnerability and delivery yes. exploits it. Yes, yeah, yeah, exploitation yeah. essentially. Yeah, yeah, in, a, yeah. In, a, in a in a grand scheme of things. Yeah, you were staying off air, which we were having a little giggle about is that your your job title which I thought was funny um, so it's head of quality is yeah, that right I think it's a brilliant title <laughs> yeah. I, I want that it's fine yeah. <laughs> there was a guy interviewed um, in, a, in a game in a game company who was called um, Munchkin's are because of the game Munchkin <laughs> and he had and he just he got given that by right. the head of the, the company and he went I, I, I'll take being a czar I'm okay with that um, I thought it was the coolest title I'd ever heard but um, anyway but yeah so yeah. you want to tell us um, is it I'm assuming quality control is that is that a fair thing to say or I think I think there's an element of quality control, um, but I think it's also about us understanding what is um, best practice and what yes. works for um, the people that access our services. And of course, a big part of that is then you know getting that feedback from the people that access the service and making yeah. sure that they're relevant um, for them. So, um, and I think what I'm really kind of uh, keen, you know. We we are commissioned. We have contractual outcomes, mm-hmm. um, but what we know is that that people with multiple um, and complex needs achieving uh, a positive outcome mm-hmm. isn't necessarily as straightforward as doing A, B, mm-hmm. and C. And actually, the quality of the service that mm-hmm. they receive is mm-hmm. you know is of vital importance as well. Mm-hmm. And it's about making sure that our 
services are safe and effective mm. and responsive to the individual. Yes. Um, so some of the pieces of work that we're doing across the organisation, um, as you'll probably appreciate, a lot of people that access our services often have a history of trauma yeah. or yeah. complex trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and so supporting our services to work in a very psychologically and trauma-informed mm-hmm. ways mm-hmm. with people um, to make sure that we are, you know, responding to need as I as think you you kind of half-answered what I was going to ask on, on what, you, what you just said there because mm-hmm. I was interested in this sort of thing about identifying risk. Yeah. So on that basis then, what are the signs that you look out for when, I guess, because we, we met, you know, I think your original remit was homelessness is an identifying. So what are the risks do you, do you can you sort of pinpoint where you might think that someone might end up, you know, without a roof over their head? Is it... Yeah. Are there telltale signs? Obviously. So you or? mean in terms of in terms of risk, uh, in terms of preventative yeah. kind of yeah. supporting? Yeah. Um, well, I think there's you know a, a lot of often indicators, and you can mm-hmm. see you know people's rent arrears perhaps yeah. increasing again. Definitely. Perhaps people engaging in um, other forms of you know finding you know money for the rent, mm-hmm. um, or quite often um, people um, who are rough sleeping in Newcastle, mm-hmm. there is often, you know, there's enough beds mm-hmm. in Newcastle mm-hmm. to accommodate people. Mm-hmm. And so that actually, you know, it's about also finding, making sure that the services fit mm-hmm. for the individuals mm-hmm. because it's not just a, you know, it's not as easy as you offer yeah. someone a bed space and yeah. they're going to take it. Yes. Um, because, of, you know, because of their needs are multifaceted. We've just done that because I think it's it's not as, it's you. I, I agree with you, it's not just about putting a roof over someone's head because I think with someone with complex needs, I mean, I've seen, I've seen, I've lost count of the number of documentaries I've seen on you know, news items where they talk to people on the street and then they say, well, I did have a roof over my head, but so complex was my issues like trauma, like my addiction, I could no longer maintain where I was and therefore I was, and sometimes by themselves, so I think it's wrong to assume, isn't it, that oh, the simple solution is just to get them you know, under a roof. They, they need to have the help there, don't they, to what, whatever they're, they're suffering from. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, um, the the routes into homelessness mm-hmm. and rough sleeping are complex mm-hmm. and, and difficult to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the actual event of becoming homeless mm-hmm. is incredibly stressful and traumatic yes. as well. So it's not just about the accommodation. So it demands a multi-pronged attack, attack to the situation, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, course, of yeah, course, of yeah. course. Um, and... You know, I, I use the labels, you know, multiple complex needs and, and trauma mm-hmm. kind of advisedly mm-hmm. um, because yeah. because who doesn't have multiple and complex yeah. needs? I yes. have multiple and complex mm-hmm. needs. Yeah. I'm fortunate enough that at this moment in my life I have the resources mm-hmm. to generally be able to meet them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know... It's a good way of, that's a good way of putting it, yeah. yeah. And, and so actually, you know, our the support that we need to provide people is the people that don't have the resources, mm-hmm. whether that's, you know, personal, financial social situation or whatever mm-hmm. to, to actually understand their needs and mm-hmm. view them um as a whole person yes and not let them be defined by their needs yeah because i was actually just i was just browsing as you were talking there because it was an interesting discussion as i was listening i'm on your website right now okay and um one that of the things sorry that sound like a test yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes it is a test yeah <laughs> so it says you said here in 2012 um, <laughs> do you agree with yourself um no um what I, you were just, uh, we, <laughs> you will be pleased to hear, you were echoing a lot what it says on here, um, because in relation to homelessness, which is a good uh, a good segue, um, I was just reading here, which I thought was appropriate, is that 
looking at homelessness as a symptom, not the cause, mm-hmm. um, which we're a big believer of on this show because, you know, um, we, we talk about our own personal disorders, for example, as well as obviously we talk to hundreds of people in terms of interviews. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key issue with a lot of um, with a lot of help that you receive, particularly, uh, you know, in, in, in you know, NHS services or whatever, not the, as we maintain, people who work in that in that field are good at their job or whatever, but the, the way that it's implemented is very often misguided. Um, and, I, and, I, and I just think it's it's nice to know that to look at it as how can you get better as the individual rather than looking at the just the 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 symptoms of what you're experiencing and go we'll deal with the symptoms but not the cause yeah. um which i think is a lot more um <coughs> it, it makes a lot more sense sense if you see what i'm saying yeah absolutely yeah. and i think it's also not focusing on 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 what elements of you need to get well yeah or what elements of you know of you poses risk but actually yeah. what are your strengths as well yeah. you know yeah very often people access those services they've survived you know they've survived you know tremendous yeah. you know adversity and trauma and, and how have they managed that they have resource to be able to do that to understand that mm-hmm. and also then what are their um, what are their aspirations mm-hmm. so you know if you took the the perspective that actually accommodation is probably a fundamental human right yeah mm-hmm. so that perhaps shouldn't be the goal mm. in and of itself. But actually, what are the person's longer-term ambitions? How do they want to use Great their point. strengths, point, yeah. you know, yeah. to to achieve whatever it is that, mm. that they want to achieve in life? Yeah, one of the one of our um, uh, charities that help with this launch pad, which mm. I know you were talking about off air, um, yeah. uh, Alistair, who runs that, um, I quote him all the time because I mean, I don't think it's a phrase that he came up with, but it, it was the first person I heard use the term lived experience, and says that. Um, that is an uh, and also using the term experience to mean as in you know a learned a learned um situation not just experiences in you were there but an, an experience you can pass on to somebody else and i i found that very empowering because i, I as you quite rightly say it was such a good point mm-hmm. is that he says this all the time in recovery college is that you have you have some sets of tools you just don't have the tools to get beyond a certain point which is where the support comes in but it doesn't mean that as you say and it's almost like when you go to a support situation or to change it like a charity like yourself that they look at it as you're useless then you can't do anything and and i that that's kind of what I wish would be changed a little bit in certain situations is that they make you feel like, you know, that you are a microbe of a person where it's about building up what you're already good at, as you were saying, and 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 tweaking stuff that you may not be good at and giving people opportunities to do things, um, which I find um, interesting. I, I'm curious about, in relation to your services then, just to summarise, is how can people like, use your services um, in, in, in that sense? Like, do they phone you up and, or, like, you know, and, and the cost and everything else? Is there a cost to this? Um, yeah, no, so generally people wouldn't ex- experience a cost okay. at all. So our services are often commissioned. So okay. our supported accommodation services in Newcastle are supported by Newcastle City Council. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, we have some drug and mm-hmm. alcohol services that are commissioned by various local authorities. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would I would strongly recommend if people are able, have a look at our website. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a quite a comprehensive service directory there. Um, our central office number is there as well, um, so we can absolutely direct you um, to the need um, as, as you see it. Yes. Um, quite often we do. We work a lot in partnerships as well. Okay. So we do work with NHS Trust. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, our domestic violence services clearly mm-hmm. closely work closely with the police, and mm-hmm. so. 
quite often people experience a referral to a change in life service. Yes, as well. and people can volunteer with you guys as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. So um, we're really do they need to have skills, or is that something they can obtain once they enrol with you guys? Or yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, everyone has skills. Yeah. Everyone has something to bring. I mean, tougher, yeah. following up on your point of you know the lived experience, the experiential expertise, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Um, 20, 25% of our Changing Lives workforce have lived experience of mm-hmm. our services or mm-hmm. similar mm-hmm. Um, and we're really proud of that and how we use mm-hmm. that to learn mm-hmm. and grow. Um, so I would say anyone that's interested in volunteering also yes. get in touch yes. um, and see you know, what it is that they're interested in, in, in being involved in. Yeah. So, so is there a process for volunteering or is it just a case of, do you, I mean, do you, like, do, is, I guess what I'm asking by process is, in, yeah. is there an interview process or anything like nothing, that? Or? Nothing as formal as that. It's, yeah. uh, I mean, on our website, again, there will be volunteer roles that we're currently looking um, to fill. So that would be where we identify um, that actually volunteers could benefit um, the service. Um, or the organisation, um, but also if people are just generally interested then t- to get yeah. in touch. And I think it is then a process of making sure that the role is right for the for the individual as well. It's something that they're interested in and that they can use to grow as well as mm-hmm. the, the organisation benefiting. Yeah. And you were just saying off air about where are you based in Newcastle? In, in uh, just off the Team Valley. So, okay. yeah... Um, just yeah, just off the big roundabout on on the team. And it's your so. the, the one local here is the residential on Bentick Road, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have you know uh, our service called Elliot House, mm-hmm. um, which is sports accommodation mm-hmm. um, service. But we have a couple of others in in the West End and across. Yeah, I, I was keen. To, I was very keen to get him because I always see your van changing lives on the side, driving around everywhere. And I thought that we've got to get on them and get, yeah. get them on, otherwise I wouldn't know. Just a, a final question. Um, have uh, Changing Lives sort of evolved to becoming an umbrella organisation now? Because I noticed that you like you have these sister organisations like um, Fulfilling Lives, Fair Share. Is that mm-hmm. part of your? Yeah, are they like sister groups or part of the? Yeah, they the come group? under. Yeah, uh, they they come under like say. Yeah, I guess the yeah. umbrella is is a, is a good way of describing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Fulfilling Lives is a big lottery funded eight year project, mm-hmm. um, which is specifically looking at um, system change. Mm-hmm. So. As, as you know, systems for people to navigate, navigate is complex yeah. and, and doesn't always flow as it should. Um, and so the Fulfilling Lives project is very much around understanding that and what changes mm-hmm. in the system mm-hmm. um, need. Yeah. And that is very much based on the there's, there's system navigators, but there's also um, an experts by experience group. And fair uh, share, is that within food, isn't it? Food yeah, so that's, that's reducing food waste. So, that okay. is so you're working with food banks and things? or Yes, yeah. Right. I mean, people can sign up to the fair share program, mm-hmm. but that is essentially reducing food waste from mm-hmm. supermarkets and redistributing it. Um, I imagine this time of year that, that kind of thing will be quite busy. Then, yeah, 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 absolutely. We have a we have quite a big warehouse, quite a big distribution Brilliant. network. Yeah, I think um, food waste. I mean, in my household, we, we we're talking about food waste, uh, food waste quite a lot. We think it it is, it is an issue. Um, mm-hmm. If you ever watched that thing, um, I can't remember who the lady was who presented it, but that BBC was it a BBC program where they talk about plastic waste in the ocean. Um, and I we watched that, and that made us really think about you know what you should be buying and um, 
and if he could well, it's a like huge environmental impact but yeah. as well when you talk about food waste just think how many but yeah, vulnerable, yeah. vulnerable people could, 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 could use that yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I mean I was always yeah but I, that, that was my initial point and went on too that plastic's also an issue as well but yeah, yeah, yeah. even just you know distributing food appropriately would mm-hmm. save a lot of um, a lot of people obviously mm-hmm. um, so the website is uh, was on as I said I've just been browsing it while I've been talking is um, changing slash lives dot org dot UK um, and it's got loads of information on I was on it uh, earlier in the week and I was just having a quick look now so if you want more information you can find that off it's got contact number which is 01912738891 or you can contact email central.office at changing dash lives dot org dot uk does that sound right is there anything sounds else sounds right I'm glad you knew it <laughs> <laughs> we were going to talk <laughs> glad he knew it yeah. we were going to talk about Christmas plans but um, we weren't able to do that but you know before be- between now and Christmas feel free to give us yeah. any info and we can read out on there you know anything that we want yeah. to read out on there Thank you. So we are we are running a reverse advent calendar, which is an opportunity for people to put together um, parcels for people who are homeless or otherwise vulnerable. It mm-hmm. is you know a collection of cosmetics and other small items, okay. and there's various drop-off points okay. across the northeast. So again, I think more information will be on our website. Okay. Excellent. Fantastic. Excellent. James, thank you so much. It thank was you. such a such a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah. Um, and as I say, hopefully anyone who's listening to this who you know wants to be involved in changing lives and changing their own life obviously is the is the is the important point is to please do contact us or contact um this charity on the stuff we just provided or check out their website and huge thank you for james for joining us and um, i hope the quality is as good as <laughs> <laughs> i hope it maintains the high standard of this co- interview <laughs> but that was really enjoyable thanks james and have a right night have a good rest of the day um right all we need to do is um and um, we're a little bit um uh, behind schedule which is fine but we're going to just play some ads now and then we're going to uh, be here with Kim and some other special guests right after these messages on Mentally Sound right here on Spice FM 98.8 FM. Sick of the same old radio sound? <sighs> then you need Vibrant Radio. Spice up your life. Spice FM 98.8 FM. The new food sensation in Newcastle has landed. Food Monkey. Mouth-watering curries delicious kebabs and grill and all your favourite Indian street food including our infamous masala chai so whether it's lunch a cheeky tea time snack or dinner it's all about Food Monkey Food Monkey, Stanhope Street next to Hutchinson's Fruit and Veg search us out on social media or log on at foodmonkeyuk.com The Glasses Factory has arrived on West Road in Newcastle. To celebrate the opening of our new flagship store, The Glasses Factory are offering free eye tests, plus a £5 voucher for each eye test conducted. The Glasses Factory are always here to help. We have multilingual assistants in Punjabi and Urdu, and also both male and female attendants. See for yourself. The Glasses Factory, 498 Westgate Road, Newcastle. Call 0191 273 factory.co.uk or search us out on Facebook. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Spice FM, 98.8 FM. Walking down the levee with my head hanging low. Looking for my mama, but she ain't here no more, baby, you don't know, you don't know my mind. When you see me laughing, I'm laughing just to keep on crying. 
won't cook my dinner, won't wash my clothes, won't do nothing but walk the road. Baby, you don't know, you don't know my mind. When you see me laughing, laughing just to keep from crying. I breakfast on the table and my coffee's getting cold. Mama's in the kitchen getting sweet papa told. Baby, you don't know, you don't know my mind. When you see me laughing, laughing just to keep from crying. I think my baby's too good to die. Sometimes I think he should be buried alive. Baby, you don't know. You don't know my mind. When you see me laughing, I'm laughing just to keep on crying. I wish I had a nickel. I wish I had a dime. I wish I hadn't given myself a bad woman's time. Baby, you don't know. You don't know my mind When you see me laughing, laughing Just to keep on crying on this show <laughs> being that it's a mental health show that would be quite nice that would be quite nice for you to be in a good mood listening to Mentally Sound here on Spice FM 98.8 FM that was Hugh Laurie You Don't Know My Mind uh, which is a classic blues cover um, if you don't know about um, Hugh Laurie he did a blues album which is amazing I highly recommend it well he's done two I think now um, and that was off the first album he did called Let Them Talk which is a fantastic album and I highly recommend it um, but so as we just mentioned huge thank you to 
Yeah, okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> there's a snowball of guests here because um, we've got a guest at Hatfast as well. So I'll, I'll hold the fort for a second while Ricky goes out and just to say um, huge thank you to James for being on about changing lives. Obviously, go and check out their website like we just mentioned. But I'm delighted to say uh, it's a very interesting, and I mentioned this in the intro um, of our show because we were on since 12. It's Kim Tate here, the artistic director for Interacting, which I'm so pleased has got a hyphen in because I have dyslexia. So I would have just said interacting thing and I was right. <laughs> but it's Interacting which is kind of cool yeah so um, so we're here with Kim uh, and also he's brought along do you want to introduce uh, who yeah, you brought so with you um, we've got Denise and Claire who are participants who've been with me for over a year for sure and working pretty much nearly every week <laughs> so do you, you say hello to yeah yeah do you want to say um, uh, starting with you Denise like, what's your role in all this I'm a participant, so I've been uh, attending for about 18 months. Okay. Kim's been running, uh, very, very kindly, run these sessions once a week for about okay. 18 months, the previous previous March. Okay. Um, so how I became involved, Steve, mm -hmm. Stephen, yeah. um, was that... <laughs> Thank you for correcting yourself. <laughs> I was like, no, Steve, please. <laughs> uh, I was attending a singing group in the okay. same building. I saw a really eye-catching poster. Um, Kim's uh, logo is yellow and black, so it's really, really eye catching um, and I thought oh I'll have a go at that uh, and I, I thought at that point I'll be totally 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 out of my comfort zone so, and I was initially um, so from that very first session myself Claire I'm one of the person has mm -hmm. been attending and other people have uh, joined or come and left or yeah. so it's been it's been so there's been a fluid element which Kim has really worked with it's just one of his strengths mm -hmm. um, the first session as all of them have been is just really fun it's raising endorphins you're having a really good laugh, you're getting to meet new people. Uh, my favourite exercise on that first session was the expert game, which we can say a little bit more later if you if you wish. Mm. And I learned a, <laughs> I learned a lot from that from that particular exercise in the first session. Um, I learned that I could just talk off the top of my head, basically. Yeah. We can tell, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't think I could. I was telling myself I didn't think I could, which is an, which is an interesting thing, the things we tell ourselves. Yeah. Um, I can make other people laugh. I'm funny. I didn't think I could do that. <laughs> um, I am creative. I have, uh, you know, the, the creative process is there. Yeah. Uh, and a few other things. They, they're skills per, that I that you can take into into any situation. Yeah, everyday life, life. Everyday life. Basically. Yeah. How about you, Claire? Oh, I became involved at the beginning. I'm not quite sure how. Kim must have advertised <laughs> it somewhere and I saw it and it, prob <laughs> it probably had the word free on it. You know, things. Um, I've spent the last couple of years trying out new things in life, things that I wouldn't have attempted before. Great. And theatre skills is one of them. Mm -hmm. Um so I've tried things with Kim. We've got another theatre group of biker at the moment. I've great. Had a play on. Yeah. It was very nice. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, I'd forgotten about the expert game until recently when somebody said to me, I remember you. You were in the expert game. <laughs> I'd forgotten about it. So just to clarify about that game. So yeah. We, we use games as a way to uh, stimulate like the process. Yes. Um, so that is a game where I just give people something that they have to be an expert about. Yes. Um, they have no idea what it is until they're about to talk about it. Yeah. And then they have two minutes where they are the world's expert on 
I know the Whatever. game. It is. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I was going to ask you because um, it seemed when Denise was talking about the process is that um, I did improv comedy for a long time and it that I know I know exactly what that game is. Is where um, you essentially um, the person comes on, we have the world expert, and you either take a suggestion or the person who's introducing the game says you're the world expert in spoons, and then you have to yeah. write spoons endlessly. And um, and it the whole idea is think, yes, no, of course not. It, it could be you could make the, the the beauty of improv is you make it however your mind takes you, and the idea of the, the you know not to not to make it as basic as possible, but is to is to Make it, make your brain flow and let it let it develop as opposed to the conventions of life where it's like you can't say this, you can't say that in the right environment. You can say whatever you want, um, and so it's it's, it's lovely to see. It's breaking neurological pathways yes. in the mind and yes. it's developing new ways of thinking. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. To liberate your mind. You know? Yeah. yeah. But uh, but uh, yeah, but and and also just um, to get over the, the the limitations that other people bring on you. I, I I find um, it, that was one of the reasons I did it because um, it helped with my mental health when I was at university and um, kind of like what you were saying Claire for, for me I mean um, I went for a period of time where I just wanted to do other things because I felt I wasn't getting enough with the choices I was making um, and I was the best one of the best decisions I ever made was doing improv comedy so it sounds very similar for you guys um, Ricky have you got anything you want to ask or well just you might um I was going to say how, how did it how did it all sort of come about because was it a specific target area where you wanted to um, invite people with low self-esteem. Were you sort of was that a kind of like a a means to express themselves where they might not have been able to before? I, I, I tell you what, I, I knew I was going to be doing community theatre, and I knew I was going to be doing participatory-led community theatre. So what that means is that I have not, I haven't got an agenda. I've just mm -hmm. listened to what the group have wanted to do, and then I've tried to facilitate that mm -hmm. into reality. Mm -hmm. So someone in a session said, "I want to do something about mental health." Mm -hmm. So we've chosen to go down that path uh, it could have right. gone in any direction yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and is overcoming overthought was that that what it led to be so overcoming overthought has actually come from swirl who is a partner of ours okay that's right. actually their uh, well no it's overcoming overthinking is their yeah. is their tagline there mm -hmm. you can mm -hmm. see mm -hmm. yeah this is a zine magazine which is really helpful for anyone struggling with mental health um, it's made by a mental health nurse. Mm -hmm. it's, it, I think it's in the Tate Gallery, actually, mm -hmm. I think. Okay. Um, in the Baltic, maybe, as well. Yeah, just to let people be aware of being on radio, that he's looking for a magazine right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's lovely <laughs> illustrations. This yeah. is called Swirl. Um, I think it's probably about, I don't know, four, four or five pounds or something okay. um, for you to buy online. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. Mm -hmm. So we've used that within the play to be able to stimulate... Um, how we address mental health. Yeah. So yeah, why don't you talk about the play? Because it sounds fascinating, and it's it's the same title as it overcoming overthought, right? Yeah. Over, overco overcoming overthinking. Oh, overthought. We've gone overthought. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, it's a very similar principle. Um, so yeah, do you want to tell us like how essentially that came about? And I mean, you're saying it was a, a sort of branch out of that, but in terms of the in you know intri how do you say that word? The um, intricacies. That's it. Yeah. I got there in the end. Um, in terms of how it got developed and all that kind of stuff. Uh, great question. Uh, <laughs> basically, um, it's it's games and improv, which we've then rehearsed into making it um, watchable. Yes. And then we've created a through line of narrative to put in 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 it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Beautifully said. <laughs> so yeah, it's rehearsed improvisation. So it's yeah. just a style of making theatre. There are loads of different ways of making theatre. Yeah. You know, script is uh, classic. Yes. But this isn't scripted. Okay. Yeah. But um, I'm curious as when you say like um, it's rehearsed improvisation, sort of rehearsed improvisation as in, is it, is it, I mean, because essentially what you're saying is it has a structure 
in a, in, a, in, a, in an essence but what happens within that structure this is what beauty feel about improv is that you have rules and then you break them essentially <laughs> so it seems is it, is it a similar principle in in relation to the play is that the yeah, yeah, there's a skeleton that we've got like a running order of things that we want to hit. Yes. Um, but, you know, Great. there is some freedom within that. And also it's down to them on the night and how they feel as to, you know, mm-hmm. where they feel the audience are mm-hmm. as well. So are you guys involved in the play at all? Yes. yes. Okay. So have you, how have you enjoyed the process so far, starting with Denise? Yeah, I've just absolutely loved the process. Uh, it's been fun do, doing the games. Doing the games has been fun. It's built confidence. Built mm-hmm. my confidence. Built built skills that I didn't that I didn't know I had. Yeah. 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 How about you, Claire? It, it's been great. Um, the learning some freedom and creativity. It's been great. It's a, it's a bit daunting when you come back from a weekend away and the theatre games have suddenly turned into I've booked the Star of Shadow for December. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. That's what it, it feels like that whenever. You know when we used to do improv and then just like we booked a, we booked a small room and I'm like I wouldn't just learn the games and I'm like yeah but that's the whole idea you just go in and do it. Yeah sorry guys go on. Yeah, if I could say, I think that's one of the things I've found totally fascinating from yeah. this, is the actual process. We've started from nothing, so to speak, games, we've videoed some of them, so we haven't forgotten what the key elements are, so they can be brought back, and then now, you know, 18 months down the line or less, mm-hmm. um, it takes three months off, so 15 months down the line, there's a play, there's a venue, there's a running order, we've got um, the idea for what our costume's going to be, we've got posters, we've got flyers, so that whole process I found absolutely uh, amazing. So Kim, is this going to be like a one-off, or are you going to assess the success of it and it, it could potentially go further? I think we're going to keep this running, I think it's right. a really important project, right. I think, to address mental health, Yeah. so we're going to... Uh, apply for funding that like we're going to do funding funding uh, and then we're going to keep it alive so is this something you might potentially tour with or stay within the city to. region or i would love to the yeah. style of the show is it's really flexible so mm. the way that we it can keep it fresh we do it every other month you know yeah. and people would like to come in i mean i i one thing i used to do always always used to love going always, was always going up to the edinburgh festival this that sounds something that would really fit in well with their kind of thing you know um, especially with addressing mental health, it doesn't always have to be about, you know, specific comedies. I mean, mental health kind of fits in everything. So, I guess you're you're going to see where the potential goes to and take it from there. Then, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess we also address consciousness a bit in the yeah. play as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it would be lovely to be able to tour tour anywhere, mm-hmm. but money is is what makes the world go around. Yeah. So, unless Absolutely, we yeah. unless we get some big uh, funders behind us, then we're mm-hmm. probably just going to keep it more local. Yeah, there's something. Um, being that it's a mental health show, um, it, 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 I find it an interesting discussion would be to talk about um, overcoming overthought as, a, as the actual concept. Because as I have bipolar disorder, which, um, you know, the main byproduct of that is essentially your brain overthinking um, or at the very least sort of um, being overactive. Um, and I, I described it once in a therapy session that it's a bit like having a hundred double-decker buses going in, going to a roundabout, and they all slamming into each other, and then you have to like figure out in the Maya what you're actually thinking about. Um, or in some cases, you're thinking of a hundred different things, and each bus is one thought or something. You know, it was like kind of that how I processed, how I went through, and I'm just curious. As because I understand it, doing improv, it really focused my mind into into embracing that to a certain extent. Um, and is that kind of what the whole idea is in 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 essence is to is to provide as denise was saying the skills to 
um, the skills to overcome the overthought, but not overcome it, but learn to deal it and maybe embrace it, would you say? Yeah, I guess dealing with your neurological pathways, because each yeah. individual has their own mind. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're all going through probably more similar stuff than than we imagine. Um, but I think the aim is is for us to shine a light on mental health yeah. and then continue the discussion about yeah. it because talking about it although that is sort of overthinking so it can lead to overthinking yeah. we can also just accept that that we can see where the line is and not cross it too far mm-hmm. and rein ourselves back yeah. as well yeah sorry we going to say something there no, well i was just going to ask as sort of um denise and claire have eloquently put um can you tell us a bit more about what your workshops entail if someone listening wanted to get involved with this do they have to have necessarily expectations or is it is it like you say just come in and enjoy and express yourself and like as you say it's 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 for people to it, come in and it's ritual yeah, yeah. first and foremost mm-hmm. it's um a, a space where you can come and make friends and uh explore a level of creativity mm-hmm. that you feel comfortable exploring i might push you a little bit um but it's mainly games mm-hmm. and it's it's we have a tea break in the middle of the session it's only two hours long so it's you know it's it's very light and these are customs house yeah yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. CU House, yeah, just yeah. opposite the Tyneside okay. Cinema. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I want to ask, um, I guess in relation to that, because having two participants here now, is the, I, I want to talk, and I'll ask um, Claire the same question, is Denise, you were saying about, um, you know, these skills helping in everyday life. Um, can you think of examples you could share with us of how that applies to, you know, taking what you've learned through doing this process to, to your, you know, everyday life and how it helped? I've probably got um, two examples, and I know Claire's got some some lovely examples as well. But uh, for example, just in like a work situ- situation, um, a manager was doing a little bit of training with me, and we just made it into a fun thing whereby we just went back and forth. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have done that in the past, mm-hmm. so it was really quite fun. Um, the other the other situation is I went to Alphabetti Theatre to see a showcase. Uh, one of the members of the group was on the Friday night. Claire was on on the Saturday night. I happened to go to the Friday night and the host needed somebody to shout out something and because I was in the front row he, he kind of picked on me so to speak kind of yeah. thing. in the past I would have been oh good heavens I've got a speaker yeah. so I just shouted out so I wouldn't have done that in the past yeah. these skills have transferred over there mm-hmm. and then also in that particular show one of the performers said oh well you've shouted out earlier so can you say this yeah. again I just had to say something okay. so that's, that's two, you know, two examples of that yeah. you I've kind of describe what this radio show has done to me in a way because <laughs> cause I was in this room as a position in the beginning I was like you know a bit of a nervous wreck but through sort of getting used to and doing research and getting no Steve will build a report it's sort of like become like a talking therapy to me and so like listen to you guys Ritual as well, yeah, really. exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely yeah if you do it consistently as well it definitely helps um, yeah I mean it sounds like you had an element of maybe just not sort of social anxiety or, or at least maybe speaking in public maybe and it sort of helped in that process I think it I think basically I'm an introvert. Yes. Basically, as opposed yeah. to an extrovert. That's a good way, so those good way kind of it. things are right kind of out of my comfort zone. Yeah. I didn't do drama at school. Drama wasn't even on anywhere on the yeah, yeah. Ra- ra- radar <laughs> for me, basically. Yeah. So this was really, really new. Really, mm-hmm. really new. Yeah, and it's one of the things that um, one of the things, and I do miss doing improv is. The reason uh, I say improv is in, I know this is like, you know, maybe a little bit more theatrized, but what I mean by improv is in this improv games in the sense of 
um, you're bonding with people with such a wide spectrum um, and that's one of the reasons I used to love doing it because you know um, within these games you can be silly with an 18 year old or a 65 year old or whatever it, it, it really doesn't matter about what like what type of life you have that it, you know you can you can just have fun doing these games and that was it similar for you yes and i think one of the things one of the one of the big things i think about the sessions that kim and zoe because zoe's the court yes. who isn't here today have done, mm-hmm. is just not being judgmental being accepting yeah. so it doesn't matter what you say it doesn't matter if you make a fool of yourself yeah it's all just <laughs> not, not judged so how about you claire could you give any examples of how it's helped you oh this year has been a major thing. I'm, so, I'm the sort of person who tells a lot of stories about themselves that are negative. So Claire cannot do social. Claire cannot go out. Claire cannot write. All these things are, are actually false. And the interacting has helped dispel some of those. And we've actually put the thing from the showcase at Alphabetti into the play at yeah. Star and Shadow, which is earlier in the year, someone ran a stand-up comedy workshop and I didn't take it because I thought that was completely and utterly impossible for me <laughs> and I wouldn't have the skills. Yes. And then if I was lived in regret for that. And then a few months later, he offered it again, so I took it and then performed at Alphabeti. I just want to add that Claire is one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. Yeah. Um, comic timing is great. Yeah. Okay. One of my stories is Claire does not understand humour, which... Which sometimes, can lead, <laughs> which sometimes yeah. can lead to people being the most humorous if they don't. So, yeah. so I did that, and then everybody was coming up afterwards and saying the same thing. Well, lots of people said the same thing, which was, I could never do that. Mm-hmm. And this thing that I'd told myself I could never do, I'd just done. Mm-hmm. The next day I was at an art workshop yeah. in public, making art for a thing that's going to be published in the next Great. couple of weeks. And that's something else I told myself I could never do. It's impossible. I can't draw, I can't make art. And people were coming and saying, I could never do that. Great. Like, Neurological pathways in the mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. We all break down our stories. Yeah. yeah, we are the stories that we tell ourselves. Yeah. That's what consciousness is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Go on, Dee. If I can just add, and I hope Claire doesn't mind mm. me saying this, the comedy uh, workshop leader, after Claire's performance, actually said, you're one of the best new yeah. debut actor I've seen in a long time. Great. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it, yeah. It's amazing, as I say, yeah, just having a bit of, um, uh, being given an, an opportunity and a bit of self-belief, and, and it does lead to, like Claire's just saying, and you've all said, is the opportunity to, um, and as I'm, you know, it's really pleasing Ricky said that about this show, is that um, you usually find if you do something creative, it because of the reward you get by doing that, and also it teaches you to fail as well, and feels yeah. failure is okay, um, and as as well as it leads to more I want to do more because you realise that actually the, the risk that you're so afraid of taking is actually worth taking because the, the pros outweigh the cons and I think that's a good good way of them so finally because um, we've got to wrap up because we've got to get another guest waiting is to just say when this plays on so this is on, on the 14th of December at Star and Shadow Cinema at yep. 9 o'clock if you go to inter-acting.co.uk you will be able to buy tickets and donate if you want to support the project I'd like to just say some thank yous if that's cool. Yes. And um, thank you to Space Six for actually being brilliant and uh, letting us use the space for free, which has been the, the main thing that has made this project happen. Great. Um, also, Swirl for partnering with us with great content, and there's, there's Dean. Um, Headspace, which we've been using throughout the process. 
and Chili Studios, who um, are a mental health org, which I'm sure you're aware uh, of. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's super cool. Um, and congratulations, guys. I mean, I'm, I'm so pleased to hear. It's nice because, I mean, one of the things we try and do in, in doing this mental health show, because we have a lot of guests on, is to try and balance between, you know, having people on who have had bad experiences and also to say that even though to have good stories of where they've got an opportunity to develop themselves and and overcome the overcome whatever it may be and have a rewarding experience so it's really uplifting to hear this and continue the good work Kim thank sounds you. like it's an you too, partner. by the way with your oh, show thank you well, brilliant thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> well we, we try our best um, I did not pay him for that ad <laughs> um, he said that of his own free will good, good, good positive <laughs> ritual yes absolutely yeah and I, I, I couldn't agree more so huge thank you thank you to Denise to Claire to Kim and um, the play is Overcoming Overthought on 14th of December yeah. you said Star and Shadow which yeah. I know very well um, so I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to that yeah yes that, it certainly sounds it yeah <laughs> and on that note we need to stop to play for ads and then we're going to play a song after that and then we have our next guest in the studio and but um, we'll be right back on Mentally Sound right here on Spice of M 98.8 FM for the community by the community Spice FM 98.8 FM Welcome to your community announcement answer machine. To broadcast your community announcement on Spice FM free of charge, call 0191273988. Select option 3 and record your message. No more messages. Kashmir Orphans Relief Trust, Aisha Ki Awaaz. आपको पता है मैं कोर्ट में रहती हूँ जो 2005 के जलसले के बाद यतीम और बेसहारा बच्चों के लिए आप सब ने बनाया यहाँ मैं पढ़ती हूँ खेलती हूँ कोर्ट में मेरे घर के बाद अब बायों के लिए हॉस्टल बन रहा है रमजान मुबारक में अपनी जिकात सदकात और अतियात के लिए सिर्फ कोर्ट का नाम याद रखिए कोर्ट यू के ऑफिस जीरो the same old radio sound <sighs> then you need vibrant radio spice up your life spice fm 98.8 fm
the same old radio sound. <sighs> then you need Vibrant Radio. Spice up your life. Spice FM, 98.8 FM.
Thanks, Ricky, for that saying we've done three <laughs> Yeah, we've done three hour shows, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and speaking of three hour shows, that was the long winded music of. <laughs> no, no. Um, that was James Morrison with Precious Love, which um, I'm a huge fan of James Morrison. I think he's a fantastic artist. And before that, it was the self titled um, version of Valley of Jupiter by Jimi Hendrix, which was the posthumous album in 2010, which is a fantastic song. Unreleased material that finally his um, daughter, I believe, or wife, one of the two, I can never remember which one, um, uh, Collaborated with a recording studio to um, to put that out. It's a fantastic album. Um, I anyway, know. you did not know that. Well, I highly recommend it. Jimi Hendrix is awesome. So there you go. Um, so yeah, huge thank you to Kim. Uh, that was fascinating discussion. Uh, we were just talking during the uh, break about going to the play on the 14th of December, well, whenever, whenever we uh, are able to make it and um, to talk to the actors involved. I'm really excited because I like The Star and Shadow. I've not been there in a while. So, um, I used we'll to go all the time, but not since it got redone recently. So that so probably, yeah. off the top of my head, uh, will be for the... In, if we are going to do a show between Christmas and New Year, yeah. um, we'll probably put some material in for that yeah. if we are on the air during that time. I'm not quite sure what Friday that is, but we'll, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll let you know next, next show about... Well, if it doesn't fall on a Friday, plans. we can always find an appropriate day. We can yeah, we could, yeah we, we will do a show at some point in between Christmas and New Year, whenever it may be. But anyway. We know Christmas is a you know, difficult time. Yeah, indeed, yes. Um, don't we all? Um, the, the, but it's the season to be jolly, Ricky. Exactly, <laughs> That's why I do this show, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is not all like, to- overtly depressing, then it's all totally fine. And it was that positive... Ex- positive um, interview we just did so well uh, our final guest who's been waiting patiently um is called peter mcguire he is the mindfulness practitioner at mindful mcguire um which um obviously is a segue to his own name and uh, it's basically about mindfulness which i'm sure ricky's going to want to talk to you a lot more because i know he's been talking between it's about essentially mindful running workplace mindfulness mindfulness has been a, a common thread on our show so welcome to the show peter thank you i'm really happy to be here Stephen and ricky um on spice fm and hello to all the listeners out there <laughs> no absolutely um, so um, thanks so much for joining us. As I said, for th- uh, Ricky, who talks about his personal experience, I'm speaking for you. I'm just saying as a, as a contextual thing is that Ricky talks about the importance of his running and how important it is to mental health. And so I'm interested to know what your sort of segue into doing what what you do now. And, and was it an experience you had? Is it about running for you? Um, what was the, the thought process behind it? Yeah, it's a really good question. So um, about 10 years ago, I was suffering from stress and anxiety and the doctor asked me if I'd like to go on a mindfulness course. Um, so I went on a mindfulness course and it helped me immensely. It helped me so much that I thought one day I wanted to, to teach this because I believe in it. And when you believe in something, you want to share it with others to try and help them. So I um, ended up starting training with the company I actually went on the, on the, on the, um, the course with. Great. And then a job came up with them as well, which was great. Yeah. So I, I started to work for them. So I worked for them for about three or four years as a mindfulness practitioner delivering courses. Um, and then in April, I got made redundant. And it was that day that I was actually, um, I chose to run, ho- run home from work. Um, and when I was running home, I was really upset because I'd lost my job. It was something passionate yeah. I wanted to do. But I decided that actually this has created some space and given me the opportunity to do something positive that's going to help others. So I thought, you're passionate about mindfulness. You're passionate about running. Why don't you merge the two together? 
and then I created the Mindful Runner, and and you know that's um, aimed at beginners and improvers, and it's aimed to help them is to lead a happier, healthier lifestyle through merging mindfulness and running. And a lot of the people I get on the courses are people who've said they've tried running in the past and they just give up. Mm-hmm. But being part of a supportive group, um, mm-hmm. and also the mindfulness aspect of it, because the mind's sort of ninety percent of mm-hmm. of all exercise, mm-hmm. it's proven really popular. So that's how I sort of created it. I'm so pleased you said that because I'm going to give the floor to Reggie because I'm sure he's got a million questions. <laughs> is I, That's really the, the curiousness aspect I have about having you on is to talk about because um, I, I mean I used to run and stuff and I used to be into football a lot when I was younger and um, I used to always find running as you just described it quite like just part of the process. I never enjoyed yeah. doing it but I, I just did it because it was good for my own you know playing football and being, and being active and fit and whatnot. And so I'm curious as to where the mindfulness comes in because people listening to this will be saying well I did try running I, I, I know Ricky says this all the time to me privately he's like um, you know people always go I tried running wasn't for me yeah. and then give up like you just described and so I'm curious as to how mindfulness um, you know when you bash the two together like you, you were saying how does that implementation help with the enjoyment of running excellent question um so really i think it's about having more awareness of your body so if you go to a running club for example running clubs are really good i'm a member of one um the black hill bounders and but running clubs you know you'll just go out for a run um generally with them so what i do is um at the start i'll explain a little bit about mindfulness but it's really about your knowledge you learn about your own body and the technique of where you run so you might go to a running club and you'll just run okay and that's fine um but i'll work on people you know we'll 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 stretch correctly we'll do dynamic stretching we'll do a proper warm-up and a lot of the beginners really enjoy that and they enjoy the cool down element so when they're doing movements they're actually not in their heads thinking they're paying attention to the body so it's like a mindful movement so i'll say take your attention to your calf muscle if you're stretching that I'll say on the inhalation, feel your spine lengthen. On the exhalation, feel the area stretch. Mm-hmm. So that knowledge you get of your own body, as opposed to being up in your head in thought mode, it's, it's, it's <laughs> paying attention yeah. to where you're stretching. So your mm. hamstring might be, one hamstring might be tighter than the other. So it might be that, you know, you need to be a little bit um, easier on your right hamstring if it's tighter. But if you're on your head and you're not paying attention, you're not going to notice that. So it's that awareness and paying attention. Then when you're running, a lot of people tend to tense the shoulders or the posture's not right mm-hmm. in that, you know, it doesn't allow as much oxygen to flow to the muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not, you don't run as e- efficiently. So I encourage people to scan their bodies as they're running. Notice, are you leaning forward too much? Notice, are you leaning back? What are you doing with your breath? Are your shoulders tensed up? And through this awareness that people build up by using mindfulness, then they're able to run with a better technique. Um, they're able to um, shift their attention if their mind is going when they're running. I'm tired. I can't do this. My hips hurting. You know, they can shift the attention to the body or to the breath or to the sights and sounds around them, and it'll and, and it's really working. And people, I had a beginner last week um, finished the eight-week course, and she was struggling to run a minute in the first session now she's on the improvers course and she can run 20 minutes and she's loving running and that's what it's all about great fantastic going back to mindfulness in its generic term i often feel some every time i talk to a person about mindfulness it's almost like they have their own interpretation do you have your own interpretation or do you fall back to a more generic kind of you know, it's a really way. good cre- question, Ricky, because yeah. there's a lot of stuff in the press about um, mindfulness at the yeah, minute, and, yeah. and some people's understanding of it is just um, so it gets distorted. Then, yeah, yeah, I mean, I was—I'll give you an example. I was running in the Great North Run yeah. this year, and, and one of the um, people from the Run Club was on the Tyne Bridge, and I ran across, and the person shouted, um, 
do your mindfulness, Peter, think about it. Right. And I thought, obviously, they don't have enough <laughs> of, of mindfulness, you know. Yeah. So um, mindfulness is about paying attention in the present moment mm-hmm. on purpose and without judgment. But it's also far more than that. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, with mindfulness, we can have narrow focus where mm-hmm. we shift the mm-hmm. attention to the breath or mm-hmm. to sensations in the body. Mm-hmm. Or we can have wider focus where we take our attention out to what's going on around us, smells, sights, sounds. Mm-hmm. You get awareness as well of your thoughts and how your thoughts are linked to your emotions and how we respond to those emotions. Sometimes we respond in a helpful way, sometimes we react, we react in, a, in an unhelpful way. So it's really about, it's yeah. simple, it's so simple. It's just bringing your attention to the present It almost moment. sounds like a meditative like, process, yes. you know, self yeah. Almost <laughs> like a mini... Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you have like a telepathic reading here yeah, because yeah. I was just thinking about what I was going to ask. You know, if you come on a course with me, it's all about meditation. So mm. we do guided meditations and I'll guide them um, and what that does is it gives you an awareness. A lot of times in life, we're not present, we're not aware mm. of what we're doing in one autopilot. Yep. So the mind, if you observe your mind as an impartial observer and just mm. sit and watch your mind, what it's doing with your thoughts, you ma- the mind tends to focus on the past or the future. Yeah. Um, so you might be driving to work or on the bus somewhere and you get to your destination, you think, how on earth have I got there? I've got mm. no recollection of the journey. You might be reading a book or a magazine and you get to the bottom of the page and you think, I can't remember what I've just read. So we're not fully present all the time. So with mindfulness, you're using the breath or the body to bring your attention back to the present moment to actually see what's going on and and respond in a more helpful way. So in relation to running then, would you say that's as important or more important than what, you know, your your physical sort of... um preparation your stretches and that kind of thing yeah, I think or is it something can be in synergy with that yeah I, guess. I think it goes hand in hand so yeah. you know if you're running and you're really getting to the end of a run and you're really tired the mind might yeah. say i want to give up yeah. the body your body might have changed you might be doing in running what we call sitting in the saddle so you go down your posture's yeah. gone so that awareness you right. get of what the body's doing and what the mind's doing if you're the impartial observer mm just noticing without judging it mm-hmm. then you can respond in a, in a more helpful way if you straighten up your posture if okay. you're starting to stoop down or if you're noticing thoughts that are quite negative you can shift your attention to the body the breath or the sights or sounds around mm-hmm. you and it's just mm-hmm. sort of self-care mm-hmm. and responding in a helpful way when mm-hmm. difficulties arise mm-hmm. would you also say that the like professional athletes is it something that they've taken on board because yes. i imagine in their own heads it's all about yeah. It, there's more aspect on the winning, I guess. But yeah. I think what, what me and you and others have shared is, is the, yeah. the more the taking part, I guess. It's not about competitiveness yeah. necessarily. I know the professional athletes, I mean, it's really popular in America, but the GB team here have used it. Um, right. Djokovic uses it. Johnny Wilkinson, when he, he was a rugby player mm-hmm. for England and you yeah, yeah. Falcons, mm-hmm. if you observed his... Um, his when he's about to kick the ball, yeah, he's one of the most successful. Fist, yeah. That was based on a mindfulness practice. I was talking to one of his coaches, Steve Black, a few right. months ago, and he said that's actually based on a mindfulness okay. practice. So you know, it, in football, how many corners are wasted when they put crosses in the box? Oh, so you know, I've been watching you cast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. so, But if you watch Ronaldo in the um, yeah, preparation. Yeah. Yeah. He stands when yeah. he's taking a free kick. That's called getting in the zone where he's shifting yeah. his tension out of his head because his muscle memory knows what he's going to do. Right. So he shifts his attention into the body and focuses on his breath. And that gets him out of the head thinking, yeah. you know. Yeah. What I, 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 noticed, I noticed that he breathes yeah. out before he takes his mm-hmm. shot, shot mm-hmm. and it's all like, you know. Um, and he I, gets lambasted for short buttons. Yeah, yeah. Nah, yeah. but, mm. but uh, you, at the very least, you can tell he knows what he's doing yeah. in yeah. terms of. Um, I, I, 
I, I know a ton about this as well. I mean, the reason I'm meditation, I would not endure that doing that conversation is I do transgender meditation for my yeah. bipolar disorder, and that's been really? a revelation for me. Yeah. Um, because when you were describing not being in the moment for someone with bipolar disorder, um, your my brain overthinks. Uh, we were just talking about that in the previous interview, and I just couldn't. My my. Uh, actually, I was going to say my ability to focus wasn't very good, but it's actually not that at all. It's almost the opposite, as in I was focusing on too many things at once, and it's just making, and by, I, I the way I see mindfulness, um, and you can feel free to disagree, that's why we do the show, I, the way I took it is to, because I think a lot of the techniques I use are a mindfulness aspect yes. to it, and I just think it's really um, stripping stuff back to the core basics, and then realizing that, like, instead of, um, because when you're stressed, essentially, you are focusing on um, all aspects of your life, so whenever someone stresses, like, I've got so much to do, or oh, there's this thing that's overwhelming me, or whatever it may be, and what I get usefulness out of the meditation is, is that I go into a quiet room, and I just focus on, as you say that you're breathing and how your body's feeling and uh, giving yourself a break from the outside world and and i'm curious as a byproduct of me telling you this is do you think more people are invested in mindfulness because of the fact society's got so too many distractions most you, definitely yes yeah. if you I mean now i think for children as well it's really important which is why i'm ex- looking at taking out what i do um the mindful run out the schools mm-hmm. for the physical all right aspect yeah of it. it's something i'm going That's to explore because you know they've got so much um nowadays there's so much distraction we've got social media we've got all the you know mobile phones you can get information at the touch of the button and um you know kids year ago years ago you would get bullied in the yard whereas now you can share something on facebook or in in a matter of seconds and it's not as visible perhaps to everyone so i think it's really important that um people do consider mindfulness because i think it's a, a really useful life skill and tool it's something that you can d- you don't just go on a course and do it's something that you can use for the rest of your life that's going to be really helpful to you and it's certainly helped me immensely um with my um, mental health just on that point with again. kids because me and steve had m- endless conversations about what we used to do as kids because when we'd come home from school First thing we do is just get down to the park, kick yes, the ball around. Yes, yeah, the, yeah. the physical, the mental, you know, switch yes. off is just immense. And kids don't do that. Yeah. In a sense, they're carrying on the stress from they had during the school, and they're, yeah. they're kind of channeling it into social media and smartphones mm. and, and yeah. whatever they do with each other. And I ca- it, it's kind of like a ticking time bomb for kids now. So I think the kind of things that you're doing, bringing that into schools, I think would be really amazing. Yeah. But can I can I talk about ang- in relation to anxiety? Yeah. It's something that I have heavily. I know okay. you touched on it before. Sometimes, you know, I look forward to when I've been on a, on a really decent run, the, the endorphins mm-hmm. are really kind of brilliant uh, in that sense, but it doesn't necessarily make the rest of the day anxiety-free necessarily. Yeah, yeah. But I know that's not really the point. Often for me as well is the thought about running mm-hmm. can be very kind of very kind of good to my well-being in the sense that if I... Because I haven't been running in a while because I've had a bad back. Okay. So tomorrow's going to be my co- big comeback day. Yes. And I'm already kind of looking forward to that. It's, so how how much does that uh, play a part in, 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 in to running towards people with anxiety or the mental yeah. health issues? The, the, the thought about doing it as well as just yeah. like doing it. I think the, the toughest thing with running is actually sometimes, especially when it's getting darker and cool, cooler, mm. um, is actually getting to the door and putting your gear on and yeah. getting out there. Because... Yeah. When you, you know, have a discussion with um, the people who come on my courses, um, the running courses, they say, you know, sometimes I give them homework, so they do mm-hmm. go out running two or three times a week. Mm-hmm. They spend one, one 
one hour a week with me um, they say they sometimes struggle to get outside and I'll say tune into how you feel after the run mm-hmm. you know so how do you feel because if they don't go they feel guilty and they give themselves yeah. a hard time about that's that that's what I do yeah. yeah. so if you can the toughest part I think is putting your, your gear on yeah. and getting out the door but if you can do that it's great I, I uh-huh. got up at 6 o'clock this morning mm-hmm. um, and I didn't feel like going out the wind was blowing it was cold mm. I went out the first mile I felt not great mm-hmm. and then after that I woke up but that impacted the rest of my day I got home had breakfast a shower um, my wife got up my son had a lovely conversation with them you know went to work and it just it sets up your day so it's instant, you need to instill a bit of self-discipline as well self-discipline the, uh, and, yeah. and just and just think okay I'm going to get out and yeah. do this and if you can run with another person that helps you know yeah. um, if you've got a running buddy that can really help and, and, and can I ask a question uh, Rick you've got like one minute left how important is the environment towards when running like we're we're in a very suburban area. Yeah. Here. Can someone who lives here locally get that kind of mindfulness in such a hectic environment? Yeah, yeah obviously there's more distractions possibly there, but you can shift your attention to your your body, like your feet in contact with the mm-hmm. floor, and you'll notice your mind wander off. But just bring your attention back, or you can tune into the sounds of the traffic or the lights. You know, there's, All right. there's lots of things. So you, you can, can use do. that to your advantage. Yeah, then. you can use that to your advantage. Oh, okay. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't matter what environment you're in, you can still right. still, still use those. Um, those things that I've, I've had. And then you don't necessarily need headphones and listen no, to No, 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 you don't need to. You can't you adapt to whatever environment you're in. Yes. Basically yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Use your body and breath. It's always with you. Yeah. Right. Great. Okay. Yeah. So the final thing, just quickly, um, Mr. Peter, is how can people get in contact with you in relation to okay. doing your mindfulness so course? The big thing is the the Mindful Runner on Facebook group. That's that's big. Make sure you go to the one with me on, not the one in South Africa. As <laughs> okay. But I've got about, there's about 500 people in the group. Um, there's my website, <coughs> www.mindfulmaguire, that's M- com um, has all the course dates, the mindfulness courses, the introductions to mindfulness. I've got one coming up on the 20th of November in Burnham Field, um, which is about 20 minutes drive from Newcastle. And all the running courses are on there. So I'm on Instagram, Twitter, at runner underscore um, mindful. So just check those out. Great. Absolutely. Perfect yeah. segue. Right. We've got 30 seconds left. So all it leaves me to say is a huge thank you to our guest. Thanks to Peter. Thanks thank so you. much for coming on. Uh, thanks to Kim. Uh, Kim Tate. Um, Overcoming Overthought is the play on the 14th of December. And Denise and Claire, thank you for them. And to James Ward from Changing Lives. So go to changing changing/lives.org.uk if you want more information about the services that they provide. And as you said, Peter has just mentioned all the stuff you can do. And go out for some, go out for some running. That's it for us. Thank you to Ricky, my amazing co-host um, we're going to play some Money Talks by ACDC and then play some ads but we'll see you in two weeks time thanks guys bye bye